Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Football Outsiders Draft live stream. I'm Mike Tanier, along with my co-host, Dark Klassen. Hello, Derek. My first question you for you, how you doing? We will be joined later on by Thor Nystrom. Uh, but before we get to that, Derek, I have to ask two questions. First of all, do you have the Malik Willis Pro Day on in the background somewhere where you can keep an eye on it? I don't, in part because I heard he's not even running or anything. Like, he's going to throw, which is, I guess that's really all you want to do for a quarterback pro day. But he's not doing any of the athletic drills. So, like, I don't really care that much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, but it is on over uh, past this direction. I look like this once in a while. I'm going to see if he's throwing to brooms or whatever. And <laughs> my second question is, did you watch the Kenny Pickett Pro Day with bated breath yesterday? I saw some of it. I saw the Panthers getting uh, very, very interested that his hand is, what, one-eighth of an inch larger, as if that, like, means anything, as if that doesn't still make him the smallest hands in the entire NFL. So, right. like, just it, it would be a very Panthers thing to do is, was kind of my takeaway. They had Ben McAdoo, like, look at his grip on the yes. football. And, and McAdoo – Because his, he's the authority, right? Like, he he's yeah. obviously should be the authoritative figure there. You are clearly holding that football. That is good. I <laughs> make sure that was done. I didn't realize that, like, I, I had a measurement done at the combine. I'm, I'm nine and a half. Uh, I'm going to keep bringing that up. That'll, that'll fly. But, you know, if you can stretch, you can kind of see how my my, my pinky in, is, is stretching there and my thumb. If you can do that, that actually adds to your lid. So not measuring the size of your hand. It's kind of like this tendon here. That's all they're measuring. So you can actually stretch that thing out. So. That's 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 scouting wisdom for <laughs> I, I guess if I ever get into, you know, quarterback training, that's that I, I now I know the trick. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, the trick, play some bass guitar, play some banjo with your right <laughs> hand, get your get those tendons very loose and, and you're ready for that. Are you a pro day guy in general, Derek? Not really. I mean, I don't I don't really care at all. I figure if you can throw, you're going to show it on film. I don't really think there's a whole lot at the pro day that's going to change. Um, I think especially now with like, I feel like Johnny Menzel kind of ruined this where it's now like a spectacle instead of just like, you know, you're going out and throwing and you're just kind of like seeing how things go. You know, it's very loose. Now it's like a very regimented, like this is a circus type of deal. And I think especially now that that's the case, I I don't care about any of that. It was, it was Menzel with all that going on and it was Teddy Bridgewater not doing outstandingly. And it's like, well, we better close ranks on how exactly we script this week or and and this workout so a guy doesn't look bad. Yeah. And now everyone wants to do the insane like Mahomes-esque trick shot thing where they mm-hmm. scramble around in four different directions before just like heaving something and it's like right. that's cool I guess but like that's the, that's only real for like three quarterbacks in the league anyway. <laughs> awesome. And here is our guest Thor. Thor, I have two the Thor Nystrom, introduce yourself to uh to the Football Outsiders audience, sir. Uh, hey guys, how you doing? Thor Nystrom, NBC Sports Edge, and I'm I'm with two of my favorite people in the industry. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Glad you're here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's it's rare to see you when we're when we're all sober and <laughs> we're we're not involved in some horrible trivia challenge uh, that we've been the press ganged into taking part in. Shout out to Jarrett. Jarrett, if you're watching, thank you. It's a lot of fun. I love it. I love every minute of it. Um, that particular uh, podcast is not sponsored by Underdog Fantasy, but this podcast and all Football Outsiders NFL Draft coverage is presented by Underdog Fantasy. And you can use the promo code FO40, that's FO40, at the Underdog to double your deposit up to $100. Keep your eyes peeled for new best ball tournaments that include 2022 rookies and their new Superflex games. And to deploy your knowledge from mine and Dark Classens and Thor's NFL Draft research and analysis. Links to Underdog Fantasy can be found in the description of this video below. So go with us and play on Underdog today. I wait. I saved the ad read for when you were here, Thor. I, I hope you appreciate that. I, I did. And that was great. And we saved really the main topic here. We all now live in the aftermath of the Deshaun Watson trade. The football offseason, human history. It's now all the before Watson trade. And it's after the before uh, after the Deshaun Watson trade. And this is a draft show, so we're going to look at some of the draft fallout. And so we got a bunch of teams that are involved with this. And we're going to start with the team that just traded for Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper. We kind of lost track of that somewhere along the way. The Cleveland Browns. I'm going to throw it out to the floor here. Where do they stand now? And feel free, guys, your thoughts on the Watson trade or your thoughts on what their priorities are moving forward, especially in the draft. 
I mean, I'll say straight away, like trading for Watson to me is just horrible. Like I, we don't have to get too much into it because I think right. at this point everybody has done, you know, 10,000 words on it. But like, I, I think to me, it's pretty disgusting. Um, I mean, I, I get moving on from Baker, but I think doing it for Deshaun is just like horrible. Anyway, as far as where they still stand, at least to me, I feel like wide receiver and defensive end are like pretty clearly their two biggest uh, things left to address. Um you know, at the top of the draft with, with whatever capital they have left. Um, and then after that, probably like linebacker. I, I really don't like their linebackers that much. Um, and I think it would be really good to get a guy who's a more legitimate presence at the second level. Yeah, the uh, I mean, I, I won't get into the the moral thing of that because we've we've talked about that plenty on Twitter. I, I guess, you know, as, as far as the trade itself, the, the thing that surprised me about it is like, you have a player that didn't play last year and you know, the, the situation that he's in and then the fact that he could be, he could miss more time because of that situation. What surprised me about it is it didn't seem like there was a discount baked into the price whatsoever, right? Like they, they paid him a, a record amount of money. And then like the, the way that I looked at it is if, if they had like, if the Texans had traded Watson uh, a year ago, right? Like at the, at the same time, and and they had gotten the three first round picks and 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 the extra goodies and whatever, and then signed him to that contract. I, I I wouldn't have batted an eye then at what the price had been. So it seemed like there wasn't a discount baked in whatsoever for for the year off or for the the trouble that he was in or the fact that he missed the year. And like you guys remember, like when Maurice Claret missed the year, when like Mike Williams missed the year, or anyone yeah. who's missed the year, we always talk about how that's like an issue or how that's a problem with the profile or anything like that. Deshaun Watson just missed a year. He might miss more than that. And no discount was baked in whatsoever. It seems like toss out all, all the, the moral issues that we have with this, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. It seems like this is an, an enormous risk just from a football perspective with, with all the, the equity that you have given the draft equity and, and then all the, the cap space and whatever. It just seems like an enormous risk, even, you know, beyond the, the, the moral questions of it and, and all that sort of stuff. So I, that surprised me even just beyond the the sort of moral questions of, of, of the day with that. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, there was not only was there no discount, there was a premium because that contract yeah. is like a super premium contract. And it, it's for a player who missed a year, not because of injury. He was not suspended. He just didn't want to play for the Texans. And while that's, I guess, understandable on one level, there's a lot of benefit of the doubt being baked into this guy's, character beyond what he's being accused of and saying, I'm just going to take a year off for pay. And then I'm going to get this super contract. It, I think we're, we're grossed out by some of the um, allegations and some of the things like that. And that the results are like, it's the opposite of consequences. It's like, here's everything you could possibly ask for. I think that that's, that's something we're tripping over. Right. But looking at this, are the Browns contenders now? I mean, I really don't think so. I don't think the receiver room is good enough yet. Like they could obviously fix that in the draft if they if somebody just happens to fall to them or something like that. But I also don't think the defense is there. Like the secondary is really interesting and has some bodies, but I don't think their linebackers are that good. They have one pass rusher, and I think their interior is like they have guys who can get upfield, but they don't have anybody who anchors. And I think that yeah. is a problem when you're in the AFC North, especially if we assume that like Baltimore is going to be better than they were last year, you know, healthier up front, all that sort of thing. So they're obviously better, but I don't think that they're this like immediate, you know, AFC powerhouse or anything like that. Yeah. Certainly they're, I mean, if he's playing, I mean, they're, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. So in, in terms of that, they're, they're contenders, but I mean, yeah, are are they Super Bowl contenders? I I'm not sure about that. You know, like the AFC now, they're they're sort of the kingmakers. I mean, like, right. uh, yeah, it's like you know, back in the day when the Western Conference with the NBA, like everyone was going to the Western Conference. You know, like that's that's sort of what it's become with the, with the NFL. The 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 Browns have all these these holes now, these clearly delineated holes, and it's going to be interesting to see how they address them, especially now that they have sort of a lack of of equity both with. The, the cap space and with the, the draft picks specifically because of what they just did with Deshaun Watson. Uh, the, the Vikings have seen the manifestation of this with, with Kirk Cousins. It's going to be interesting to see how the Browns sort of navigated with, with Watson now um, with the hits that they've had, you know, both again with the cap room and, and, and the draft picks, but wide receiver is, is, is a big need area. Uh, you know, even with, you know, the, you know, bringing in Cooper or whatever, they, they still need another one. Um, and Klassen mentioned that the needs that they have along the defensive front seven, um, I, I think they still have some needs in the secondary as well. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they go about, you know, filling all these needs, despite the fact that they don't have a lot of 
ammo left this yeah. offseason to fill them. Yeah, I mean, they do have a second-round pick still through through all of this, I believe. Um, the real useful title point, points out, and he already had a hefty contract before the trade too, right? Uh, I believe he's going to be, in 2023 next year, a $54 million cap hit for the uh, for the Browns. And I think it's another 54 after that. And the cap is going up, but the cap is not going up to the point where, you know, next year, 54 million, that's fine. We can just eat that. So while they had earmarked some money because, you know, there was a time maybe three months ago or six months ago, they were earmarking for Baker's extension. There was there was a hole in their, uh, in their, in their budget for a big quarterback. But this is a super big, ultra-premium quarterback, and it, and, it, and it is a very high expenditure. Um, also want to point out Scott Brown says, Watson and Mahomes are the only ones to beat Josh Allen in the playoffs. Well, Josh Allen's only been in the league for, you know, five, what, four seasons now, five seasons, you know, so uh, it's not Tom Brady yet. Um, and I, I believe Watson beat him. Watson and the Texans beat him. Josh Allen's first happy to be here season in the, uh, in the playoffs. Is that correct? Uh, am I remembering that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, you know, that's fair. I don't think the Browns are past the, uh, the Bengals right now. Yeah, I mean, and, and like I said earlier, I really think the Ravens are going to be a lot better than they were. I mean, they were probably, I, I don't know if uh, football outsiders, if we've released our, you know, injury, th- adjusted injury thing, but yeah. I have to imagine the Ravens were like top three in terms of just what they lost last year, um, especially along the offensive line. I don't think their receiver room was any good. Like, I think Baltimore is going to figure some things out and make the AFC North really, really tough and not just this, you know, oh, the Browns are just the best. No, I, I don't right. think it's going to be like that. Right. Right. And and Juan Carlos Rodriguez asks, is he going to play? Watson going to play at all in 2022? I would welcome a suspension. I think all of us think mm-hmm. he deserves consequences. Uh, but, you know, here's my pay grade. And here's the understanding what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson <laughs> in terms of suspensions, pay grades. So it's it's purely speculation at that point. And I, I think that I speak for all of us on that on that note. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to another team. You want to be around to pick up the pieces when Deshaun Watson breaks your heart? Well, then you must be Matt Rule. How can or how have – come on, it's a dad joke. How have <laughs> the Panthers or how will the Panthers pick up the pieces after being left out in the cold in a very ardent pursuit of Deshaun Watson? I, I'll, I'll, throw it to, I'll throw it to you first, Derek. They're going to overdraft a quarterback. Like at some point – they are, you know, they've taken all these other gambles at quarterback position. They tried Teddy, which honestly, like when that was the when that was their first year there, it was like, OK, you get, you know, someone who knows what they're doing. Makes total sense. The trade for Sam Darnold, it was like, oh, they're really getting desperate. And now this year they were going for Watson, missed out on it. They have the sixth overall pick. They don't have any ammo after that. I have to imagine they're just going to take a guy. It's probably going to be Pickett would be my guess. Um, and that's going to be their answer for all this stuff. But like. Man, I feel like they are sprinting toward a Matt Rule firing. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah, that you know, like, can, can you guys hear me? By the way, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, we're so okay. Good. We're good. Yeah, my I, yesterday, you know, when when Kenny Pickett at the pro day, you, you saw some of these anonymous quotes coming out about Pickett, which were effusive in, in in their praise, and I, you could almost see that those anonymous quotes, you could almost picture them coming from Carolina, where it was the opposite of like, you know, for instance, the traditional anonymous. Uh, scouting quotes where it's like trashing the prospect you know yeah. like with uh you know for instance Thibodeau in the, in this class where it's like you know the, the 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 team is trying to artificially suppress the value of the player because they're trying to get the player down to them it's yeah. almost like the, the Panthers are trying to artificially prop up <laughs> P- Pickett's value so they can justify taking him at, at their at their slot they're like media come on c- c- come on like you know get behind us in, in justifying taking him this high it's it's like rule like like uh, Willis is the only quarterback that probably should go in, in like, you know, in that lofty slot where, where they're sitting. But like, it, it almost seems like rule doesn't want to take him there because, you know, Willis probably shouldn't, you know, I, I love Willis, but it, it's like, he probably shouldn't be playing this year. He should be on the Lamar Jackson or like uh, Pat Mahomes, you know, s- s- you know, s- s- sort of plan the, you know, his rookie season. Whereas, you know, Pickett's the one guy that maybe you could justify throwing out there in year one, but his ceiling, it's like, you know, the bonanza ceiling would be Kirk Cousins, but it's probably more realistic, like, you know, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or, um, you know, Andy Dalton or, or you know, like yeah. that. 
but you know, it's like Clausen said, it's, you know, Matt rule, he's, he's, you know, it's sort of like walking the green mile right now. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's walking, you know, you know, towards his execution or whatever. And, and, and so it's like, he's trying to justify the, the, the picket thing and they haven't been able to go out and get get any other quarterback. They were fawning over him yesterday. It's just like picket. He's, the, the the ceiling is capped there, and I'm not sure. Like when 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 you're looking at him, I'm I'm not sure what you're falling in love with there. It's just a station to station kind of a guy that doesn't really win deep. And um, I again, I, I'm not sure what you're falling in love with there. So with with, with the Panthers, I'm just sort of scratching my head as, as far as what the direction is that they're they're going in right now. I'm falling in love with that picture of Matt Rule. Look at that guy. Does that guy not inspire confidence with that facial expression? That's a thirst post picture of matt rule we have up there <laughs> that might be the first time those those words have been uttered in, in that particular order um but but you're right about kenny pickett like if you're why are you anonymous if you're gushing about him so much you might as well come out and say it if you're like the scout or the gm who loves him i, I mean clearly not if you're like still working for the league but that's a weird anonymous uh uh, uh you know it's it's way more, you know, like when you looked at especially some of the ones that were coming out yesterday, it was way more effusive than your typical anonymous quote is way more like way over the top. And so, again, it's like, you know, usually when you're you're reading these these anonymous quotes, it's like, what's the prerogative of the person that's putting it out? If, if it's coming from a team or if it's coming from a um, an agent. Right. Like and, and typically, you know what the prerogative of, of the agent is. But w- when it's coming from a team there's invariably a similar type of prerogative. And, you know, when I was reading the ones about Pickett yesterday, it's like, man, this, it really sounds like this is coming from the Panthers. And it really sounds like they're trying to, to justify the idea of taking Kenny Pickett in the top 10. I believe it. Now I'll say something in support of the Panthers, which is rare of me to say things in support of the Panthers. They re, they extended DJ Moore. They added Austin Corbett. They've had some, made some additions along the offensive line, including Corbett. And they look like they're at least feathering the nest for whoever, whether it's Pickett or somebody else. They're building. They, they didn't sit until the last second with with uh, with Watson. They built some things, so I could imagine them imagine them bringing that rookie quarterback in. And like you said, he's got that Bridgewater Dalton feel. I think I've compared him to Dalton in the past. Those guys were kind of successful coming out of the gate. You know, they they could they were competitive quarterbacks with good systems early on. I could see the Panthers building that. For sure. Yeah. And, and let me say something in Kenny Pickett's defense. Like I'm not saying that he's terrible. And, and, and what I am saying about him is when, when you draft him, it's, it's sort of the opposite of drafting Malik Willis, where with Malik Willis, you're, you're shooting the moon on a guy where if he hits his ceiling, he's an unstoppable player. It's just with, with him, he's, he's not the, the sure thing with, with, with Kenny Pickett, what you're buying is his floor. You're, you're buying cost certainty. He, yeah. he doesn't have, have, have that ceiling. He's more of the, I guess you would say the the Mac Jones of, of of this class, where it's like he's the guy where he's going to follow the coaching, and you're hoping that on every single play he's going to see what the defense is giving him, and he's going to do what 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 the coach is is telling him. It's just I'm not even sure that he's as good as as Mac Jones is. Um, but he did it in, in college th- that last season, he had the really good receiving core. He did what his coaches told him to do. And he had, he had really good coaches, obviously Nebraska, this past off season went after his offensive coordinator, Texas went after the, the really good receiver coach that they had and, uh, Bre- Bre- Brennan Marion. Um, and, and so like he, he had really good guys a- a- around him. W- one of the best receiving cores in, in, in college football. I do believe that he's going to, if, if he has a really good surrounding core, uh, around him in terms of the skill talent and he has a good uh, coaching staff. I do believe that that's going to play him up. It's just, if, if there's not an ideal circumstance around Kenny Pickett, I don't think that, that he's going to succeed. You know, it, he, he, he's just going to sort of, you know, w- whatever that, that, that surrounding uh, cast around him is, that's what Kenny Pickett is, is going to be. Is that a guy that you want? Is, is that a guy that you're going to use a top 15 pick on? I'm not sure. Um, but, but, but that's what you're buying with him. I think. No, I agree. I mean, you're 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 drafting him based on the idea that he can be a good quarterback on his rookie contract. Um, the problem to me is like he's very much like um, this is actually Nate Tice's comparison. He's a lot like Taylor Heineke. The problem is Taylor Heineke got to basically jump around the league for five years to yeah. kind of build up this like mental repertoire to be where he is. Yeah. And then you obviously like don't have to pay him anything because he's Taylor Heineke and he just is like the 25th best quarterback or whatever. Right. 
that's all fine when you're not paying him anything. When you're spending a top 10 pick on a guy, right? he can't be Taylor Heineke. Like, he has <laughs> to be more than that. And I kind of like Dora saying, it's really hard to see, like, what is supposed to make him better than that. Okay, going from the Carolina Panthers to the world of quantum caponomics. Another team that was left out of the cold in the Deshaun Watson uh, sweepstakes, but is in the process of trying to land on their uh, heavily financed until the, the sun goes black futures. The New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Saints did a, did a phenomenal job clearing cap space or extending cap space to make room for potentially Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson did not come to them. So they went back to somebody uh, that they're very familiar with. That would be Jameis Winston coming off an ACL injury, looked pretty good before the ACL injury. And, you know, the question we put on the card was, what is the road forward? I guess that question still applies. I'm going to throw it to you, Thor, first. Is, is this the road forward? Is this uh, the, the right move? And what are the expectations for the Saints? Yeah, uh, it's it, it's a tough one because they ain't going to win the Super Bowl with him. And and they're sitting at 18 in the first round. In, in my mock draft that's coming out on Thursday, I'm giving them in the 18th slot, I'm giving them Matt Corral. I think that's okay. probably one of their, their better scenarios. They're not getting Malik Willis there. And, and Corral, he'd be the guy that I would want in the first round there. I wouldn't want Pickett if I was them in, in that slot. Not that they're even going to get them because I, I do think Pickett's going to go higher. But Corral, for me, he's the guy who has the second highest ceiling in this class. So if I'm the Saints, that, that's the guy that I would want. He's got a better arm than, than Pickett. He's more athletic than Pickett. He's got the higher ceiling than Pickett. And I think he's a guy that the, the Saints can work around um, where he's going to be able to test the defense further down the field. And you're going to be able to do some things with the mobility. If he can learn to um, slide a little bit more, you know, to, to where he can be able to use the legs, but not get um, as nicked up as he did th th this past season, you know, yeah. where, where he's running and take some of those shots. Cause um, in the NFL, if, if, if he's out of the pocket as much as he was in college, they're going to be knocking him around. Um, and, and so that, that's the one thing that you're concerned about. But I think that would be a really good fit for the Saints. Matt Corral sitting behind Jameis for a year. Wow. But with that, I mean, it almost says we're building for the future. And then if you look at the future, the future is a bunch of guys in their 30s that were with the team three years ago. Because all they did leading up to trying to get Watson was extend every contract. We're talking about extending Malcolm Jenkins' contract, the Mario Davis's contract. I, I can't imagine Matt Corral in 2023 with a entire roster full of guys who are like 30 something years of age. That That's actually what's complicated to me is I, in some ways I almost feel like the roster is like kind of ready to be decent now. Like right. the defense is still really good. Like they didn't really lose anybody on defense and they still have Dennis Allen around. Right. So I think they're probably going to be at least like a top eight unit, uh, you know, unless they just get decimated by injuries or whatever. Right. Um, and then offensively, I think honestly, I'm, I have been higher on Jameis Winston than a lot of people for a long time. So I think he's still plenty good. And he was good last year before, um, before he got hurt. I really just think if they add like one more, um, one more receiver and can do like any, get any sort of competent play at the left tackle spot to replace yeah. Teron Armstead, like this team can like compete for a wild card spot right away. I don't know if that like should be their timeline, but I think right. kind of to your point, Mike, they're in this like weird, like, kind of good enough now but if they push to the future like they don't actually have a lot of other young talent it's a really just odd yeah spot that they found themselves in right they, they have a defense that's built to win to in be good now yeah in 2019 they're built to win, win in 2019 2020 yeah. so yeah mm -hmm. they're still built to win now but then when you look at them and you, you project them it's like they're going to be paying for demario davis and malcolm jenkins when their beards are greater grayer than mine is um and by the way scott brown mentions Corral's too slender a frame for Scott Brown. Derek, I think that's a point of contention for you too, right? That is one of the problems I have with him is that he's he's very skinny. And the problem is, like, it's not like Kyler, where Kyler was obviously skinny and smaller, but he did an awesome job of protecting himself. Uh, Lamar Jackson, same thing, does a really, really good job of protecting himself. Matt Corral is the opposite. Matt Corral is going to get into some trouble. <laughs> he's going to – he's not going to, you know, shy away at the sideline. He's not going to slide. He's, he's going to hit people, which – is cool when you're Malik Willis and you're 225. It's not as cool when you're Matt Corral, probably who was playing at like 208. It's, I mean, it's it, it's a good point. It's something that he has to learn. It's absolutely yeah. something, or he's and he going, can right, like it's not unteachable. Absolutely, if he doesn't learn it, he is going to be nicked up his entire career. Period. Because the the, the athleticism is something that that it's it, he. 
he's going to leverage it and he should leverage it because he already has the vertical aspect of his game. The, the, the horizontal aspect of his game is, is something that, that is going to play his game up even more. But if, if, if he doesn't learn to slide, um, he he's going to miss games throughout his career until he does. So it, it, it's a good point. And it's something that he has to learn. Absolutely. All right. Well, from the team that escaped cap purgatory and cap hell, the team that currently has a pitchfork in its butt, the Atlanta Falcons, who just traded away Matt Ryan, will be absorbing $637 bajillion in cap hits for the next uh, couple of years uh, as consequences for extending Matt Ryan. And we're going to get to Colts in a second. Um, but I guess because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a show that I'm involved with without some Falcon slander, do we care about this team? No. I, I, they, they were... The Falcons were the worst roster in the league last year, mm-hmm. and Matt Ryan made them not the worst team in the league mm-hmm. last year. Well, guess what? Now he's gone. <laughs> so you don't have anything else to keep this propped up. And truthfully, the way things look so far this offseason, even not like calculating for the Ryan part of it, like the rest of the roster is probably just worse than it was a year ago. Like they know for a fact they're not getting back Calvin Ridley. Like right. it, it's a disaster. They're terrible. Right. Um, well, I, I got a different take on it. Just, co- you know, coming from like a, a Vikings perspective or my, my arguments always like you're either going for the Super Bowl or you're irrelevant. You know, like I, I hate how the Vikings are always it's like eight and nine, nine and eight. You're sucking cap hell or whatever. If if I'm the Falcons, I, I like the fact that they're choosing to be terrible this coming season, whether that's in the name of going after Malik Willis in this draft, they're going to have to trade up to do it or whether it's let's just suck this coming season because we're going for Bryce Young in, in in the next class. I'm not sure what exactly their strategy is, but it's one or the other. Um, obviously, they're taking a, a record uh, dead cap head here with mm-hmm. Matt Ryan. So they've decided to punt this coming season. Um, but, but you know, I mean, they're deciding to do that because they're deciding, you know, we're going for a, a better day in the future. You know, it's like the, 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 the what is it? The, the, the dawn is always darkest before the, the day or whatever, however they, they yeah, you know, it's, yeah. Um, but, you know, like th- this is the decision I think I would have made for them because they're not going to win this season anyway. And again, whether it's Willis or whether it's, it's the Bryce Young plan or whatever, I, I think I would have done that. And by the way, I think Malik Willis and the Atlanta Falcons are the best fit in the draft. I've said this on Twitter, but Malik Willis, he grew up in the shadow of the Georgia Dome, grew up idolizing uh, Michael Vick, wanted to be the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. And he's the closest thing that the NFL has seen to Michael Vick since Michael Vick left. He's basically, the you know, athletically in terms of arm strength as well. He is a right-handed Michael Vick. I, I think that that would be a perfect fit. They're almost assuredly going to have to trade up to get him. But if that is the plan here that, that's in the four, they, they obviously signed Marcus Mariota right after they traded Matt Ryan. But if that's what's coming, I think that that would be so cool for this kid that grew up just blocks yeah. away from the Georgia Dome and is th- sort of like the heir apparent to, to Michael Vick, only instead of you know sort of the off-field problems that Michael Vick had. From all accounts and, and from being around uh, uh, him in, in Mobile and Indianapolis, Malik Willis seems like a fabulous human being. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I love him. I'm rooting for him. But we've talked too much about the Falcons. We exceeded the 10-second limit <laughs> for the sorry. Falcons. So as we transition over to the Colts, who now have Matt Ryan, Todd Singer points out, today Colts fans are sad as they had to take down their 2022 most cap space banner. And Ballard's working on it for 2023. Todd, based on my timeline on Twitter, Colts fans are very feisty because there's some one thing that the Colts love more than a most cap space banner. It's a second place in the AFC South sixth seed in the playoffs banner, and I think they're heading for that. But I have a funny feeling that I am more of a Matt Ryan skeptic than Thor and Derek, so I'm going to pass it off to Derek first. Was this the right move, Derek? I think this was <clears> – sorry. Uh, I think this was perfect. I, I'm I'm super high on Matt Ryan. Um, I know you're kind of, like, down on him in terms of, like, the Hall of Fame thing, With like, truthfully, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer either. Oh, but I think, good. like, the way that he's playing right now, mm-hmm. he was a top 10 quarterback last year. The Falcons just sucked. No, Matt Ryan was playing like a top 10 quarterback, and that team was just horrendous. His best receiver was like Olamide Zacchaeus. But like the way that he was playing, I think, was incredible. Um, 
and now he moves to better offensive line. Uh, they still need to like figure out the left tackle situation, but I think overall it's a better offensive line than the Falcons had. He's away from Jalen Mayfield at the very least, which is a huge win. Um, and then I think the the Colts receiver room is just a lot better. I mean, Michael Pittman straight away is better than anything the Falcons were playing with last year, um, at least at the wide receiver spot. Um, like T.Y. Hilton obviously is going to be able to take the top off. I still have to imagine they're going to like draft a guy as well, which I think is going to help. Um, and then just pairing him with a guy like Frank Reich, who I think Frank Reich is one of the best play callers in the NFL. I think he does an unbelievable job at um, basically keeping defenses on their toes. You know, I think there really aren't that many tells in his offense. I think he does a good job of mixing between gun, uh, under center, his personnel stuff, mixing up his play action looks, all that jazz. Um, and I think when you have a quarterback as smart and as accurate and as timely as Matt Ryan, it's perfect to unlock everything. I think it's going to look a lot like the Rivers year did, if not better. And the thing about that is I think the defense right now is better than it was when, when Rivers was there. I agree with almost everything that, that Derek said. So I'll just, the, the only thing I'll add is just from the draft perspective, obviously they, they don't have the first round pick in the second. Derek mentioned that the, the tackle need the guys that could be there. Bernard Raymond could potentially fall to, to where they're sitting 42 if he's not there though a, a name to, to potentially consider I think Daniel Falele might be there um he he would be a, a guy to to potentially keep in mind another guy a guy that's rising that I think could be there as well is, is Tyler Smith from Tulsa a really good looking tackle prospect who's on the rise I can see Smith at left tackle you putting Falele at left tackle He's probably a, a, a right tackle, but just in terms of the the, the tackle need there, um, you know, like uh, I think Raymond would be the better fit at, you know, as a pure left tackle, yeah. but you're, you, the, the well is starting to dry out there at 42. Right. Um, th- those are the guys, uh, you know, like, you know, just the pure tackle guys that I think will be there or could be there that you're hoping for. Okay. Well, my, uh, my co-hosts agree. This was the right move. <laughs> I think Ryan's washed, but we have other things to talk about right now. I'm going to make an executive decision and say no one cares about the Houston Texans. So while we put a Texans thing up there, we do not need to go into all of that madness right now. What we need to look at is a team that does not uh, have to uh, worry about the Deshaun Watson aftermath because they have bigger things to worry about. And that are that bigger thing is Aaron Rodgers' feelings. One of the big trades that happened before the Deshaun Watson trade blotted out the sun uh, last Friday was – the Packers inexplicably decided to trade Devontae Adams. Not inexplicably. We can understand the, the finances behind it. Uh, trade uh, Devontae Adams for a package, including another first-round pick this year, and risk the ire of Aaron Rodgers. So let's take a look at the uh, Packers' uh, general needs right now. I mean, these are kind of debatable. The uh, Packers obviously do not need a quarterback, but they need a wide receiver. They need wide receivers, plural. Uh, in my opinion, I think I peaked at your mock drafts. Offensive line remains a priority. They lost Billy Turner, another friend of Aaron Rodgers, um, and somebody else on the offensive line whose name escapes me. Um, you guys mentioned linebacker in your mocks, and we'll get to that in a second. I think linebacker is legitimate. Should have put up there. Defensive line in general, I think they're pretty good at the edges, even with Zadarius Smith gone, because you have Gary on one end, you got Preston Smith there. But they need depth everywhere. And on their like front three, I think they need a uh, – they need some reinforcements. So, as always, to fix the franchise, I asked both Thor and Derek to come up with a mock draft for the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to start with Thor's mock draft, and we'll put that up in a second. But Thor, I think you were in agreement with most of us. It's like it starts with uh, it starts with wide receivers. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, and I I think you know because of I'll just get in, in into the the three round mock that that I submitted because of Jamison Williams injury he is going to be available on a discount here and you know with the the Packers you know they obviously they're in their contention window and you'd think maybe they they would want a guy immediately but Jamison Williams by the end of the season when the Packers are going to be in their playoff run he's going to be healthy and you could argue that he is the best receiver in this class you can make a very clear argument for that and he is a tremendous fit for Aaron Rodgers's game he reminds me a lot of an Alabama receiver that just came out in Jerry Judy in in that he He's a guy who has fabulous, the, the, the high end speed is there. The explosion is there. And then the, the sort of joystick with the, 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 the explosion that the stop starts, you know, the, 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 the zero to 60 thing, and then the ability to stop on a dime, the body control and stuff like that. Um, he, he can do a lot of different stuff. And I, I, again, the, 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 
his fit with Aaron Rodgers' game, I, I think, is really, really good. So I put uh, Jamison Williams to the Packers at 22. I think that because of the ACL injury that he suffered in the playoff, I think that there's a shot that Jamison Williams will get there. And, and I think he would be a really good fit for the Packers in that pick that they got from uh, Las Vegas in the Devontae Adams trade. Um, I, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. At 28, I gave them Zion Johnson from uh, Boston College. Obviously, they have that interior line need. And, and, and I think that he would plug a hole there. I, I think if the Packers can come out of the, the first round with those two guys, I, I, I think that that's a winning first round for them. And, and, and I think that there'd be a lot of celebration on Thursday night in Green Bay if, if that was the case. I want to be a fly on the wall when the Packers select finally select the first round wide receiver. And it's a guy with a bum ACL who won't be right. I want to be in Aaron Rodgers is uh, in, in his liquor cabinet as he reaches in uh, <laughs> to, to get through that. Uh, but I mean, Williams is a, is a heck of a player. John Johnson, John Johnson's a credible player. Were you there when he took the center snaps in the rain in mobile Thor, were you there? I sure was. Yeah. And and you want to talk about scouts just instantly falling in love with someone and, and, and the media that was still there. Cause of course, a lot of media was just scurrying for, for their Ubers in the, in the parking lot at that point to, to get out of the rain. But anyone that was still in the building as Zion Johnson was, was, was doing the snaps after that practice in the rain instantly fell in love with the kid for sure. Thor, I feel attacked. I feel attacked. Oh, I, listen, I, I I was running for my Uber, too, so I'm attacking myself as well. I, I, I was huddled in my in my Uber with, with uh, Football Outsiders' Matt Noskow, uh, just shivering. And I looking, was shivering, too. And, and and looking at my at my phone, but I was like, oh, my God, that kid must be amazing. And he shot up my draft board and other draft boards as well. You got Christian Harris here. I love every Alabama linebacker I've ever seen, and he is an Alabama linebacker like any other, only more so. Sure is. Yeah. And it's another guy that fits a need, right? Like the, the Packers also have the linebacker need uh, Christian Harris, top three linebacker in this class, um, you know, 8.81 uh, Raz. So 88th percentile athlete uh, w- was one of those uh, boxes that you wanted him to check. And he did so. And he, he's a guy that has a multifaceted game. So I, I think that that's one that, that would, if, if he's there for them at that point, I, I think that that's one that, that makes a lot of sense for them as well. I love it. By the way, a couple of uh, comments from uh, listeners, viewers. Todd Singer says, sounds like it's a good draft for wideouts. Holy it, cow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, it's Traylon Brooks is the one guy that we thought would could potentially lock himself into the top 10. If he, he tested like a banshee, he did not. And so I, I think the one thing that, that you could say is it, th- this class doesn't have a Megatron, but after that, like that's the one nitpick you can say, but after that, like down the line, every single tier, it, it has something for every single taste. And it's, it, it's a deep wide receiver class as well. So, so maybe in the top 10, it doesn't have that one can't miss mega stud. This guy for sure is going to be, a hall of famer but every single tier after that it has something for every taste and, and size and fit and everything like that yep little guys big guys fast guys just hands guys small school guys slot guys yeah, tough guys it, it really does have everything and scott brown's just saying i hope i'm hoping the bears find a debo samuel type wide receiver in the second round and uh, i'm going to speak for a former nfl coach by saying who's debo samuel <laughs> well i Christian Watson is a guy he he's not he's not Debo Samuels's exact dimensions he's more of like a, a stretched out uh, sort of a version but he's a guy that does a lot of different things and he's a guy that can do stuff out of the backfield a la Debo Samuel he can also take the sweeps around you know do the the jet sweeps and, and stuff like that a la Debo Samuel he's a guy that uh, NDSU brought into the backfield and and stuff like that so um and then he's he's a guy that 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 can run the nine route as well so um, he's a guy that, um, you know, at this point, people are talking like maybe he could sneak into the back half of, of the first round. But um, I, I think he could be available at, at Chicago's pick. So he's a guy that I would look at that. I think he would be a fabulous uh, compliment on the other side for Darnell Mooney if Chicago is indeed interested in him in the second round. Yeah. I think Packers fans are interested in these receivers, too. So it doesn't hurt to talk about a little bit more about them. Kevin Green asks a little bit of a stumper, the best Robert Woods type in this draft. I'm guessing Kevin is a uh, Rams fan looking for Robert Woods. So you're looking for a hands possession blocky guy. I mean, Drake London would probably come to comes to mind right away. Yeah. Let's London see. is bigger, but he could probably play a pretty similar role. Truthfully. Right. Right. 
There's a couple of impressive blockers that have gone through. I don't have my notes in front of me right now. And that's what I think of when I think of Robert Woods as a, as a guy who's going to get out there and play that number two receiver type of game. Mm-hmm. So where are you looking? You're yeah. checking your notes for a guy? I am, yeah. I'm trying to <laughs> so I can get a, a good a good yeah. fit for you. You're like me. They all run together after a while, unfortunately. Yeah, I just want to get the right. Um... David Bell's a good – and Todd Singer, the, uh, the athletic director of Purdue University points out that David Bell is a pretty good blocker indeed. He's he might be hanging around the second round at this point. You know, um the the um Pickens is a little bit bigger, but Pickens fits in that he he wins downfield and he's a good blocker. Um yeah, he he's a little bit more stretched out, but Pickens is a really physical blocker who brings it every single play and he wins downfield. You you saw it when Pickens played down a little bit during the, the playoff run down the stretch uh, this past year, but don't let that fool you to, to uh, discount his draft value. First of all, he was coming off the injury and he rushed back for the, the playoff run to, to win the championship. But second of all, his game was uh, a worse fit with Stetson Bennett than it was with JT Daniels because the best thing that he does as far as a receiver is winning downfield. JT Daniels, his best thing is throwing downfield where Stetson Bennett is more of the scrambler who wins in the short and intermediate area. So not as good of a fit with Pickens, but Pickens is the downfield guy who who brings it as a blocker. So so that, that, that that's a little bit Jalen Tolbert as well. Um, I I would say yeah. is, is, is somewhat like that. Yeah, as well. Yeah, he's a guy I didn't see much blocking from. You know, you get the South Alabama guy. I'm watching vertical, 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 and that's that's a big part of the Woods game as well. So exactly, yeah, right. not 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 as much of the blocker, but as far as the 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 number two guy that's going to be you know stretch the defense. That's what I'm thinking about with him. And you mentioned Watson in terms of contested catchability. One thing I think stood out in uh, mobile, those, those go-go gadget arms come out and they come in with the ball. So I don't think yes. it was a slot guy necessarily. I think it was a boundary guy who can do a lot of that. Oh, for, for, for sure. And, and the thing that, uh, that I loved about Watson in, in mobile was we knew from the tape, you know, watching, you know, for instance, with, with the Trey Lance tape, the, the guy you always saw catching the bombs, the contested stuff downfield was Christian Watson. He was on the other end of that. What yeah. we saw in mobile that, that sort of extended beyond the stuff that we saw on tape was him winning in the intermediate area, right? Like we didn't see as much of that on tape just because NDSU's film, well, we got to see a lot of cool things, you know, of course the nine route. And then also the, the, the Debo Samuel stuff that I was mentioning before, but he, you didn't see as much of the, the, the full route tree as far as the intermediate stuff, just because NDSU, you can't run everything. Right. But like, in, in Mobile, especially with Kenny Pickett, when he was running the stuff with Kenny Pickett, mm-hmm. you got to see him running a lot more of the stuff in the intermediate area. And not only did he show that he could run the routes, he also show, showed that he could he could catch all the passes and catch catch the passes around traffic, um, working around uh, garbage, working around traffic, yeah, yeah. and found, finding the, the holes in the zone and stuff like that and making the plays. Yeah. Awesome. And we, we're going to round out so we can get to Derek's. Trey McBride, quality tight end, does it all. And Sanders, my Jay Sanders, excuse me, edge rusher at the end, a need and a value at that at that pick. Exactly. Yeah. And, and McBride, just another, um, you know, pointing at another sort of pass catcher for, uh, for, yeah. for Rogers. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's sort of your, your big slot guy, although McBride, he could, he could play a little bit of inline as well, yeah. but he's, he's more of your, your big slot, just adding another uh, guy for Rogers, probably the best uh, receiving tight end in this class. So he, he, he would give you two, you, you come out with him and Jamison Williams, you're getting two really good receivers for, for Aaron Rodgers, And then Maje. You, you need the edge rusher in, in my scenario, you've used your, your four, uh, for, uh, round one and, and round two picks, but you haven't gotten that, that straight edge rusher yet. Uh, Maje, he's a guy that's going to fall a little bit just because it's somewhat of a wonky profile. Cause he's sort of this, the skinny guy, but as a straight guy, who's attacking the outside shoulder as a sort of speed rusher, that's what you're getting from him. Um, you, you saw where, um, in, in mobile as a guy who can just attack the outside shoulder as a speed rusher, um, he's a guy that that's where he's going to win. Um, he gave, for instance, Daniel Falele, all sorts of fits in the yeah. one-on-ones and stuff like that, doing that. Um, if, if, if that's what he can do in the NFL, that's where he's going to win. He's going to have a harder time, um, holding up against the run and stuff like that. But as a speed guy, just being able to do that, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, again, attacking that outside shoulder, that's what I want him doing. I think that's what the Packers can, de- could deploy him as if, if they can get a value out of him in the third round like this yeah yeah now let's shift we 
Thoris had his chance to fix the Packers. It's time for Derek to take his chance to pick the Packers. We, everybody has similar mocks. I'm going to say that. Uh, let, let's uh, tee up yours for us, uh, Derek. Yeah, well, I mean, I started same position as Thor, just kind of a different flavor. Um, with Olave, like, so Jameson Williams, I actually think, truthfully, is a better player than Olave. I just, one, wonder, like, if Williamson, or if Williams is going to be, like, too skinny for the Packers, because I know they kind of have a, a deal with, with Packers, uh, with their receivers like that. Not that Olave is, like, massive, but I, I know that that's, like, kind of an issue for them. Um, and then just, like, I almost think Williams still might go higher, even with the ACL stuff, just because he's that good. Because, like Thor said, he might be the best receiver. I tend to agree. I think between him and London, it's kind of just like, you know, they're very different, so you can kind of pick your flavor. But um, anyway, with Olave, I think with him, he just gets open so consistently. Um, I think his route running is insanely clean. I think he's a really explosive player, even though a lot of what he does doesn't, like, look very jittery or whatever. I think he just comes out of his breaks incredibly clean and gets a lot of separation. Um, I think he does well to find the ball outside of his frame. The only issues to me are just, like, he's not the strongest or like best blocker which might be kind of a problem in green bay but i think um if he's like the only guy on the roster where that's a problem they'll be able to figure it out i think everybody else you know like alan lazard is going to be able to handle all the blocking stuff so i think just with his consistently as he gets open like Olave is the dude that you know i they just need a guy who can do that um and i think he would be a really good start for them and both of you guys went with the speed vertical Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's what Aaron Rodgers does. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that's what he needs. <laughs> like, yes. Williams, like, you know, to Thor's point, I think Williams is like the best guy for that. Right. But I think Olave still, I mean, he ran what, like a 4 3 9. Right. I think that'll clear. <laughs> and, he's, and, he, and like you said, he gets open and separates deep mm-hmm. and eats up cushions and, and like catches the flat footed safety, you know, like, oh, he's yep. past me crap. Like, he, he does all that very well. Um, yep. Moving on, you address the defensive line with another guy that I think we all liked in Mobile, Travis Jones. Yeah, this almost might be too high for Travis Jones, but I think with the way he tested, it would not shock me at all to see him still end up in the back of the first round. Um, this would require a little a little bit of like fully keeping Kenny Clark um, at more of like a three or like four eye kind of role. But like, yeah. I think Clark can absolutely do that. I think he can move out to that spot and have Jones like kind of just man the middle. Like they need help in – in, in some fashion up front. Um, you know, you could also go like Logan Hall here and then keep Clark in the middle, something like that. But I think Jones um, just has his athletic upside, I think is incredible. And I think among all the noses in this class, he's probably the best pass rusher right now yeah. of the group, um, which I think is going to mean something. So um, I think he just, you know, like I said, they really desperately needed to address the interior. Their run defense was horrible last year. And I think um, Jones at this spot is probably the best guy that is going to be available for them to do that. And at, at the one, I mean, you need snaps too. Even if you're like, well, we're going to yeah. be Kenny Clark. Like somebody's got to come in and give you 25 snaps. So somebody's not yeah. playing 75 snaps. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then next up, I ended up, you know, I think I took Drake Jackson for whoever I did this with the last mock too. So this ended up being weird. I guess I'm just drafting Drake Jackson all over. You, you but got your guys. You're, you're putting your guys. I, <laughs> I guess. Um, and uh, I mean, Thor was kind of saying it earlier, like they do need a pass rusher. Yeah. Um, I think with, you know, Sean Gary, they obviously have a number one and then they brought Preston Smith back. But like they're going to need a number three. Um, and I think Drake, Drake Jackson is perfect for that one, because like I think he's going to kind of take time to adjust to the NFL. You know, he was a guy who at USC like his I think it would have been junior year was like kind of bigger, kind of like a really run defense type. Um, he won with a lot of effort, savvy, all that. Then he slimmed down for his senior year, looked a little bit bendier, looked a little bit more spry. And it was like, okay, this is really nice. Right. Turns out at the combine, he's like 270. And it's like, well, I don't really know what to do with this player right now. <laughs> Clearly you're talented, right. but we've got to figure this out. But I think with him being able to step in immediately as the number three, it's the perfect spot for him to get time to figure it out. Right. I think we talked to him about the Seahawks because he looks mm-hmm. a little bit like some of those classic big Leos, the Seahawks. Yes, last exactly. And now you can bring him in here. Well, Gary's kind of a big edge, you know. Honestly. Preston Smith has a belly. What other good <laughs> edge rusher has a belly? <laughs> well, you know who doesn't have a butt belly? It's another one of your uh, – Derek uh, Clausen's favorites, Chad Muma. Yeah, the, it, if I could decide where everybody got drafted, Chad Muma should not be available at 59. He should go way higher than that. I, if he goes in like, you know, top, if he's one of the first guys off the board in the second round, that that's how it should go to me. But it seems like Muma is probably going to fall to this area. Um, to me, I think like he's the best coverage linebacker in the class. He's a guy who was a converted safety from high school. Um, and you can kind of tell the way that he 
understands what's behind him, understands, you know, how to take away zones and stuff like that, understanding how to watch the quarterback. It's very clear that he knows what's going on from a coverage perspective. So I really like him a lot there, especially for like the modern game and stuff. But why I really like him is in terms of run defense, he doesn't play like a guy who's, who's converted from safety. He just plays like a linebacker. Um, you have some issues where like sometimes he just doesn't have the physicality to always win reps, but he's very willing to go scrap it up. He really does a good job of like understanding how to navigate those tight, you know, close quarters areas in, in between the box. So I, I think to me, he has a chance to honestly be the best linebacker from the class. Mm. So to get him in the second round is like pretty, pretty insane. Yeah, and, and Thor gave us Harris is a deep linebacker class. We're gonna be talking about Jordan. I also love Harris. I, I did not get to mention him, but I love Harris. I, I love guys who will hit and Harris will do that. So sure awesome. will. and Zach Tom. Yeah, Zach Tom. So the angle here is like kind of the the Packers always love to just take left tackles and then convert them. And Tom is a guy who tested incredibly well, played a lot of left tackle. He actually played, I think, some center at Wake Forest before he ultimately moved to left tackle. So I think just between the athletic profile um, and then where he got his starts, all his versatility, it seems like he's very much like a Packers style of pick. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, Scott Brown is saying he would take two wide receivers in the top 100 if he was the Green Bay Packers. And as we switch over to my mock, I wanted to meme this totally and like put Matt Corral number one and just talk <laughs> just the, the humiliation of Aaron Rodgers. And then I wanted to put no wide receivers in there because that would be the ultimate Packers move. But then I memed it in the other direction and went two wide receivers in the first round. So this is the fanfic mm -hmm. fan service Green Bay Packers mock draft. This does come from one of the major draft simulators. So I didn't just make stuff up and have guys fall to wherever I wanted it. The draft sim simulator I used said that Drake London would be available, pick 22, and then Chris Olave, who we already talked about, pick number 28. I will ask you guys, what are the chances that actually happens? <laughs> yeah. Olave, I could see falling, honestly, just because I think – in a lot of ways, he's like the most boring of these top receivers. You know, I don't think London's making it to 22. I, I think there's no way someone that big who moves like that is falling. I don't think. And again, I did this like yesterday afternoon. So like the, like the quarterbacks have been moved around a little bit and they get um, moved around a draft simulator. Maybe, maybe they didn't update it, you know, on their end, but it's like, Oh yeah. If uh Pickett goes here and Willis goes here and, and uh, uh, Wilson's the first receiver off the board, whatever, that's what I put in there. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen again. It's obviously a good haul for the Packers. Um, we've been picking linemen that, that, that we like Jamari sailor, a guy I really enjoyed. I enjoyed talking to him in, in mobile and, uh, you know, what they really need is sort of like flexibility on the interior line. And this is just your basic Georgia 320 zillion pound athletic, tough, monstrously big, strong dude in the middle. And, you know, there's not a lot of like like extra logic around that. You know, that, that's just who we're getting. We already spoke about Travis Jones. That's right. There's a lot of similarity here between these. And we all grabbed the linebacker. And uh, you guys, you know, picked a couple of flavors there. Troy Anderson is somebody who I've seen. I honestly have not done a lot of scouting on him, but he's somebody that has a lot of buzz around him. One of those small school guys who tests phenomenally well, and you can kind of slide him around that Packers defense of front seven. I personally don't like Troy Anderson just from like a stylistic perspective. But what I will say is that I think he's like a perfect contingency plan for Devondre Campbell, because mm -hmm. especially if they're going to continue to play this like heavy one linebacker defense. Yeah. Troy Anderson can run. He does a really good job of killing things, you know, outside the numbers, you know, yes. perimeter runs, uh, screens, all that jazz. And like he has some interesting coverage skills. So from the perspective of playing that, like, you know, one linebacker style of defense where he just has to cover ground, he's not as concerned about what's going on inside the box. And I, I actually think that makes a lot of sense. I think that could be like a good fit for him to actually, you know, be whatever he's supposed to become. I think it makes sense too. Packers like athletes there, you know, I, right, right, I, I, exactly. yeah, I, I think that, you know, every team has a type and that's when you're mocking, you, you're sort of trying to think about it from their perspective. So I, I think from their perspective, that would make sense. Yeah. If you want the thumper, then you want Harris. I think you want the guys like, I'm going to take yeah. on a damn block. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, but I don't know. I think that they'll, that's not what they're doing a lot of. That's not how they, they use their fronts. Yeah, that's true. Right. And uh, if you want a thumper, you might want to go to the University of Georgia and grab one of their <laughs> many defensive players. And that is my smooth transition to our final segment. Nice, here, nice. Which we call P versus P, not player versus player, but prospect versus prospect versus prospect. Because in honor of last week's Georgia Pro Day, which was attended by all 32 NFL teams, and I think Dave Gettleman was hiding in the shadows and the bushes outside somewhere, we're going to ask, choose 
your fighter among the three. We're not going to do all 87 prospects at Georgia. We're just going to choose among the three defensive line prospects of Trevon Walker, Devontae Wyatt, and Jordan Davis. And we made a little card here. There's you can you can bet this. You can wager this. Perhaps not an underdog fantasy just yet. That might be coming, but you can wager this at DraftKings. You can wager the first Georgia Bulldogs defensive player off the board here. And you can see Trevan Walker at minus 350. Jordan Davis at plus 275. Nicobe Dean plus 1500. And Devontae Wyatt plus 3000. Springing this on you guys. But uh, who? Do, I'll ask you two things. Who do you like? Who's your best? Uh, who's your favorite defensive lineman at Georgia? And what's your favorite bet here? I, I well, okay. I I can start. My my favorite bet is is Trevon Walker. I I think he'll go the highest. My favorite my my favorite to watch is Jordan Davis. But mm-hmm. I I I think it's going to be Walker um, because of the the length, the the athleticism, and the strength. And then I I guess the the versatility as well. And that's a part of the reason why I think uh, you know he got slept on a little bit. It's just because how stacked Georgia was and the ability of of Kirby Smart to move him inside, outside, and stuff right. like that. Um, and and yeah, I I just think yeah, I mean maybe people took him for granted or or didn't understand how how high or or what 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 phylum sort of the the athletic profile was in because of that. Yeah. Um, but I mean he he's just a ludicrous athlete, and and I think once uh, people realized that that he what level he was on as an athlete as an NFL edge heading heading into the league as an NFL edge, I, I think that sort of locked him into being a top ten pick. So I I think he's going to be the highest one drafted, but. Just as far as as being fun to watch, I, I think it's Jordan Davis, just because he's a historic freak as a as an enormous human being, as a load, you know, as an like elephantine human being, <laughs> in a good way, I, in, as, in a great way. Yeah. <clears throat> as far as the bet goes, I'm 100 with Thor. I think uh, I think kind of like Thor said, once once. I think teams realized that like he's obviously the edge guy among these Georgia players and then also tested like one of the most insane rare athletes ever. I think because edge is just typically seen as more valuable than the interior, he's going to just get pushed up and naturally, I think probably be, you know, in in that eight to 12 range is probably where he's truthfully going to end up. And that's probably like slightly higher than Davis is going to go. So as far as the bet, I actually like it. What's funny I think he's the worst player here. And obviously I'm saying worst as in like, he's right still now, a like first round sure. talent right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right now. Like yeah. that's yeah. the funny thing. He's, he's, he's three worst. out of three right now. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. And like, it, it's just funny how that works, but like, he's probably still going to go the highest because that's his athletic profile is just insane. That's, that's my problem. When I watch it, it's like, I don't see the damn push this guy past his teammates, especially when one of them is 375 pound juggernaut coming down the field. The other is like a natural three tech. I have a hard time merging these athletic results and the gaga-ness of NFL scouts with everything I'm looking at, which is like, yeah, this is a, a good second round guy that belongs in sort of a Belichickian scheme where, you know, he can sort of be a, a heavy end. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there and you know, like Georgia was so stacked there. I, th- th- I mean, it's mind boggling. Jermaine Johnson had to effing transfer out of there to, to Florida state so that he could do, he could play where he wanted to play and he could play every down. Right. Like, I mean, Tr- Trevon Walker stayed and he had to, he was, he was going inside, outside, inside, outside. So like, I mean, some of these guys had to, I mean, Jordan Davis, he didn't get to stay on the field all the time. Right. So we, we were wondering, is he an every down player? Right. Can, can, can he rush the passer? And then it turns out he's, he's this historical freak. And so some of these guys, you have to bake some of that context into their profile. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, like with, with Walker, I think I was a little bit lower on him coming into the process. And whereas, you know, maybe if he had been, he had played on a different team and he had been just a, you know, the, uh, you know, a three down guy where I got, get to see him edge, you know, his entire career, maybe I would have been a bit higher on him. Um, And and so like, you know, I I was trying to give him more credit for that coming out, you know, seeing his, his entire athletic profile, Mm -hmm. baking that in, you know, coming out the other way. Um, but it's, I mean, it's just crazy to think about in hindsight, how talented that front seven was, uh, when you look at it, where I I think it was, uh, they had like nine different guys. Georgia did the test in the 90th percentile or above. (laughs) Right. Unbelievable. What did, what did Devontae Wyatt do to, uh, to everyone to go down to plus 3000? That just seems, I mean, I guess he, he, it's very unlikely. That does shock me. Yeah. I I mean, Dean is the one I would say plus 3000 at this point. He hasn't been working out. 
he got upstaged, I think, to a degree by Walker Tyndale, a guy you mentioned uh, a week or two ago, class, and t- tested off the charts at the pro day. So I can see Dean being low, but Wyatt should be in like the plus 350 range, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't understand why Wyatt has – I don't know what it is. Uh, I, honestly, with the way Davis tested, I I am not surprised that he's behind Davis at this point because there was actually a little bit where I think people thought Wyatt was going to go higher. That's clearly out the door now. Right. Um, but Dean, I don't get because, yeah, like you mentioned, I, I think Dean is great and actually the better player. Yeah. But one – he does. It's not like he plays a more valuable position in in the like general way of how the NFL views things. He plays linebacker compared to defensive tackle. It's probably not that different in how they view it. Um, and then, like you said, he's not working out, and he's going to be smaller than I think a lot yeah. of teams are willing to to take on. Um, so it's weird to me that he's he's that far above Wyatt at this point in terms of just the betting odds. I would have to assume that that is just a suffering from the comparison of the apples to apples thing against Mm -hmm. both Davis and Walker, just because of the athletic testing thing. Mm -hmm. I I, I think that's what it has to be because just because Davis tested like a a historical freak, I I think with Raz still, he is the number two all-time guy, irregardless of position by Megatron. And then with, with, with Walker, I think, I think he still had a 10 Raz. I think let's see, uh, he's with Walker. Yeah, it was it was a, something like that. But um, and, I mean, Wyatt still tested awesome. He uh, yeah. was ninety fifth percentile. But I I think it was just because the other guys elevated themselves so much. And when you're talking the apples to apples with the uh, um the guys along the defensive front is what my assumption would be. But I'm still surprised because it's not like he hurt himself in the testing. And for a, a three technique he has proven everything that he had to prove in college and he tested really well as well. So the, yeah. the, the odds are a bit wonky um, as far as that goes. Yeah. Um, my favorite player is Davis. And I like the bet because of the odds of plus 275 at Davis. Cause it's one bill Parcells disciple planet theory type of general manager who says a man at this size with this athleticism, you know, that the heck with it, the heck with like value position, whatever. And you have teams like the Jets and the Giants who have the second pick very high in there who could just say, look, this is this is just a once in a lifetime specimen and go with him. And, uh, you know, I know people like Walker that more than I do, but I think that that's that's worth plus 275. And I think the team that takes him will be very happy with Jordan Davis. Well, a thousand percent. Like when you watched, um, you know, just people like you watched um, the Rams playoff run. At the very minimum base level with Jordan Davis, when you watch the Rams, Ashawn Robinson, the way he was wiping out the run game every play, yeah. at the base level, you're getting that. But he is a way, way better athlete than Ashawn Robinson. So, so it's it's plus, plus, plus Ashawn Robinson. And, and so you're going to get that, but uh, in a way better package. You also may be getting uh, pass rushing elements of that and then a sideline to sideline element as well. So it, it's just that uh, a rich man's version of, of that. And we don't know how high the ceiling of that goes C- again. Can he play every down? Because he didn't, he didn't get the opportunity at Georgia just because of how stacked they were, oh, yeah. where, where, where they had like, you know, five or six first round guys along that yeah. defensive front. N- not all of them are draft eligible, by the way, not all of them stayed around in college because or around Georgia, because one of them had to transfer to Florida state, but you know, you know, so, so I mean, you know, yeah. Anyway, we, we didn't get to see the full utility of Jordan Davis is what I'm saying. Right. Uh, we're going to start getting wrapped up. I'm going to ask you one more question each, though. All three of the defensive alignment for Georgia, all three of them, will be off the board by pick number Derek. 28. I, I think there's no way he uh, that any of them like fall all the way past the Packers' second pick. I, I think with their first pick, they might want to go receiver or something, make sure they get a guy. But like by the time the Packers' second pick comes around, there's no way. You know, I assume Wyatt is going to be the last of them. There's no way Wyatt gets past that, I think. Thor. I'm going to say 25, the Bills. Nice. Oh, that's a good one, actually. Nice. I, I'm going to stick with you, 25, the Bills. They're there, and they say, we can just we can just grab a guy. We, we're, we're so stacked, we can grab the best available athlete. If that's Wyatt, they're just going to stick in there and say, okay, whatever, 20 snaps a game. We're going to crush everybody in our path. It's all good. Awesome. And we're going to – guys, we're going to crush everybody in our path because it's, uh, it's time to wrap up here uh, at the uh, draft live stream brought to you by underdog fantasy and folks, you can use the promo code FO 40. That's F O four zero at underdog fantasy to double your deposit up to $100. Keep your eyes peeled for the new best ball tournaments that include 2022 rookies, the new super flex games 
and chances to deploy your knowledge from mine and Derek's and Thor's NFL Draft Research Analysis. Links to Underdog Fantasy can be found in the description of this video below. Go play with us on Underdog today. I was just over there earlier today, and there's all sorts of stuff there, guys. It's not just waiting for football season. Uh, Major League Baseball fantasy drafts are available. You can draft over there in Underdog Fantasy. You can do over-unders and things like that for the NBA. So say if you're like me and might not know what all these games are, you can just play over-unders. It's very, very cool. So check it out, everyone. Thor, thank you for being with us. When will Where can we find you, and when will I see you again? You can find me on Twitter at ThorKU, and you can find my work at NBC Sports Edge. And I, I hope we see each other every day online, Mike. We see each other every day online and occasionally so. in a trivia bowl. Uh, and, Derek, what's coming up from you on Film Room and at Football Outsiders? Yeah, so uh, this week I'm going to do Malik Willis, which I think is yes. you know probably the most interesting yes. uh, player in the entire draft. Um, I, I, my preview will be that I will say he's not my favorite quarterback prospect. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that is spicy. I just went, uh, I'm peeking at the Malik Williams, uh, Willis pro day and they have a thing uh. like that Odell Beckham jr. Right now, as we speak. So I don't know what happened there. Luckily I DVR'd it. And of course you can find Derek at QB class, QBKLASS on Twitter and follow him because he will update you. You will update everybody as you chart these quarterbacks. I was enjoying your Kenny Pickett updates. Uh, uh, over the weekend mm -hmm. everyone thanks for tuning in remember football outsiders we have podcasts all through the week usually weekdays at one o'clock you'll see me again thursday at 1 p.m with aaron shots talking about whatever the heck we're talking about probably deshaun watson again and you can find my draft grades my excuse me not my draft grades that hasn't happened yet my free agency grades free agency grades will be at football outsiders probably first thing thursday morning so look for us there take care everyone thanks for watching and listening